Hey guys, this is the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers, brought to you by Track Barn, your one-stop shop for custom apparel, bags, and equipment. Use the code MEMES15 at trackbarn.com to get 15% off your purchase this track season. Also, be sure to follow Track Barn on Twitter and Instagram at Track Barn. Hey guys, welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers. Our season premiere episode is featuring one of my favorite shot putters, Nick Two Chains Ponzio, aka Prosciutto Poppy, aka Chubby Diamonds. This interview is jam packed with energy. We had a great conversation talking about Italian food, his journey on how he started training with world champion shot putter Ryan Whiting, and the story behind the Fanny Pack. If you aren't already, give Nick a follow on Instagram. Find him at Chubby Diamonds. And if you aren't already, give us a follow as well at Memes for Throwers. Thank you for listening and enjoy season two premiere of the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers with Nick Ponzio. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Final Flight Podcast for Throwers. My next guest was an up-and-coming Olympic football. In his senior year of high school, he had the top mark in the whole country um, by a th- with a throw of 69 feet, 7 and a quarter inches which was the third best throw all time in the state of California. He then went on and had a great throwing career at USC, where he was a two-time All-American. After he graduated, pursued throwing professional, professionally. This past summer, he had some big breakthroughs despite the issues of the pandemic. He had a PR throw of 2172. Uh, he's currently ranked in the top 35 in the world in the shot put. He's best known for his style inside the ring, always sporting the now famous fanny pack, one of the hardest working throwers out there, always grinding. He's one of memes for, memes for throwers, favorite shot putters. Give it up for Nick Two Chains Ponzio, aka Chuck Simmons, <laughs> everybody. Thanks so much. What an introduction. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, of course, man. I appreciate you taking time to do that. Uh, is that right? Last name Pon- Ponzio? Yeah, it's, yeah, Ponzio. It's Southern Italian. So, okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Is that yeah. so? You, you you grew up in California, or did you did you like your family's Italian? Like maybe talk like like kind of walk us through because I think there's rumors around that you might be competing for Italy um in this in the sixth Olympic uh in the twenty you know Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, no. So I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I'm from a place called Temecula, California. Um, I went to Great Oak High School and. Uh, my parents ended up meeting out there, but my dad's side is from Jersey, and then my mom's side is actually originally from uh, Chicago. Um, but yeah, both my sides of my family are Italian, and it, the rumors are true. I am trying to get my uh, citizenship to throw for Italy uh, in Tokyo. So right now that process is actually going very well. I'm really close to getting it. Um, that's just been my top priority at the moment. Um, you know, on, on top of throwing, but uh, getting that is super, super important to me. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I grew up Italian, uh, both sides of my family, like I said, being Italian, um, a lot of Italian traditions and stuff. And it's, it's very much who I am. So I'm going to take a lot of pride in uh, representing them just as much as I would for the United States. That's awesome, man. And like, um, it's so cool to, to be able to have that heritage to look back upon and kind of give honor to like, you know, your parents and, the, and those who came before you as far as your family sure. and to be able to like go out and represent like who you are and your heritage and, and regardless of like you know you compete for USA or for Italy you know or whatever man like we just out here supporting you man because we just love to see the grind man so, I appreciate it yeah I appreciate yeah, it. yeah I think I've, I said some I said this on a uh, previous podcast that I was just on and 
for a guy like me, I think it's, it's going to bring me such honor to represent Italy just because I, I look at like, you know, how hard my ancestors had to work just like other immigrants um, to, you know, come to this country and, and, and give me the life that I ultimately have now. So it's going to be great to like, you know, almost pay back a little bit. That's cool, man. Um, yeah. Do you have like a a, a, fa- a favorite Italian uh, dish that is, is kind of the go-to for you? Like, is it like is, I mean, I can imagine like you know the Jersey father. You know, it's got some yeah. recipes. I'm sure grandma's got some recipes that she's you know cooked up for you. Like, what what are your sure. your, your faves? I mean, maybe you don't have a favorite, but what are, what are a couple of the faves that you you like to? to, to I actually on? definitely have a favorite. We just had it actually for uh, our Christmas dinner. Um, I'm a big fan of cavatelli, which is a pasta. It almost looks like a, uh, like, you know, gnocchi is kind of like a, it's a potato noodle sort of right. ball thing. People don't really understand what it is. Cavatelli is essentially that, but it's rolled out. It's almost like a, like, it almost looks like a grain of rice, but you know, Hulk sized. It's, it's a big sort of oval like noodle. Um, and then we usually have that with, uh, Italian sausage and broccoli rob. And that's by far, my dad makes probably some of the best cavatelli with broccoli rob that I've ever had in my life. Um, and then, you know, everything on top of that, I, I mean, in my opinion, there aren't too many Italian dishes, um, that I dislike, um, as you could tell by <laughs> my size, I don't miss a meal too many times, but, um, yeah, you know, Brajol, a bunch of other stuff like that are always on the, at the top of my list, but cavatelli, I would say is, is that's, that's the tip of the iceberg for sure. That's awesome, man. And uh, I'm sure there's other things that, as being a, a, a pure Italian as, as you are to kind of understand like the culture of the food, maybe it can kind of shatter some of the myths. Like what, what is something that is not Italian food that people are like claim like, oh man, this is so good Italian food. Like what, what is something that you're just oh, like, man, well, like the, the majority of pizza, like pizza is a, is a big thing. <laughs> here in america of course but like the majority of pizza that you find here you would never find actually in italy i went to rome this past summer um and i've known this growing up and everything like that but pizza essentially uh in its origin is actually like like peasant food so they used to make pizza basically in carts for like you know the the lower income poverty stricken people in italy and it was just basically dough sauce and cheese there were none of these like weird toppings and all these other things on there if anything, it's very minimalistic. So if you're going to have a topping on there, maybe it's like one topping on top. It's, it's not like what it is here. So like a lot of the times you'll see like, you know, Supreme pizza, the one with like, it has like 50 different toppings on it. You would never find that in Italy. And, I, and honestly, it's a little bit of a disgrace to, to pizza as a whole. But, but yeah, that's kind of one of the myths. Like um, there's just a lot of like, like fettuccine Alfredo is not a real dish in Italy. There's just a lot of like dishes here that are that are claimed to be Italian that really aren't. And that's I mean, that that goes with most cultures. You know, you see a lot of stuff like even with like Hispanic food and Chinese food and different things like that. You're you're finding a lot of these foods that we have that's so Americanized. um, That's not really something that's like truly, truly authentic. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure I'm sure your family claims they have the best cannolis. (laughs) No, actually, we actually do not claim that. That is a very difficult thing actually to make. I wish we claimed we had the best cannolis, but that is honestly one of the, that's one of the hardest things to make really like in actuality to make really good because you got to get the actual right sweet cream on the inside that, that sweet cheese. And then you have to like the way you make your dough, it, it's, it's a particular style. And honestly, like people who claim to have the best cannolis, that's, that's a bold claim. Cause that's actually a yeah. very difficult craft. Honestly, a lot of those, a lot of those desserts like Italians make are very intricate. Um, yeah. So for anybody to claim they have the best, that's that's a bold claim. But I'll always try. That's for sure. I'll always <laughs> test them out. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I, I coached a thrower back in the day, uh, a couple of, uh, you know, kind of Italian-based backgrounds, and they, they both claimed that their grandmothers had the best cannolis out there. And so I said, <laughs> well, let me, let me be the, you know, proof of that. And so, you know, I, it was a win-win for me because I, I basically yeah. said it was a tie, but I, I, I did enjoy, you know, partaking a lot of oh, cannolis. For sure. So. For sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. No, I mean, that's that that is. Yeah. I, if you're going to talk about claiming to have the best foods. Um, yeah. Each family has their own thing. Like my grandmother's spaghetti and meatball recipe, my great grandmother off the boat, um, her, her spaghetti and meatball recipe is by far the best I've ever had. Um, and I could claim that that's probably the best, but no, cannoli wise. No, I don't, I don't know if I can make that claim. That's awesome, man. And I'm sure people tuning in here looking for, you know, technical, on on some throws are, are a little disappointed because we're we're talking about Italian food, but hey man, yeah, <laughs> hey this is get. a part of it. This is kind of this is the whole persona. One yeah, thing I tell sure. people like you know being prosciutto poppy, I gotta I gotta be able to to, to uh, be the whole ensemble. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, hey, I was you know you know looking at you you know a little bit of your, your background and you know everything that you you know have done as far as like until this moment um, um, in your career and like. You know, your, your high school, I mean, you know, you, you hit 69 feet. I mean, that was a pretty big throw. Uh, that that didn't actually come till what, your, like your senior year? Um, yeah, it was like April of my senior year. It was very, very late. But I got into the sport pretty late. Okay. So I didn't even get into the sport till my junior year of high school. So I was 17 oh, wow. when I started. Um, so it was kind of a, a quick progression. But it was one of those things where, like, I didn't even know what a shot put was till I was 17. I had no idea – the sport of shop would even existed till about that age. And luckily I can get into this briefly. Luckily I had a friend who I uh, played football with who had mentioned that he had been doing it and he had really enjoyed it. And it was just kind of like, and this is, I feel like it's kind of a very stereotypical thing. He was kind of like, Hey, you know, you're a big, strong guy. Like I know you like to lift weights and stuff. And uh, we do this thing uh, outside of football in the off season um, that you could definitely try if you want to try. And so I was like, you know, why not? You know, just go over there. Why not? You know, because the perception of it is, is everybody's common misperception. I'll just be able to, like, go and eat as much as I want and lift and just, like, you know, <laughs> be able to just kind of still do what I want to do and still be, like, in a sport. Um, but that's, you know, shot put and, and the, the sport of throwing is, is not at that at all. Um, right. So luckily I just was able to I, – I had, like, a really solid feel for it right off the bat. Um, and, like I said, it just progressed from there and – Luckily, by the time I was a senior, like I said, it was a little bit later, but um, I, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to, to have a lot of really good opportunities to go to a lot of really cool schools. And uh, I'm really, really thankful for the sport overall. But, yeah, that's that's when I really found my love for it was right around – I'd say my love for the, the sport of shot put um, really probably blossomed definitely probably right before my senior year. I'd say at the end of my junior year, I was like, man, I really like doing this. and. Mm. Um, I ended up making my state final in California and California, their state championship is a lot different than a lot of states. We don't have like single A, double A, triple A, right. like it's, it's all of California's is, is the state championship. So it feels like it means a little bit more. Um, so when I did that, I was like, man, you know, I could do this and stuff. And I set my sights on winning my next year and, um, I worked really hard, which, you know, is something that I, that I'm never really lacking. And then, uh, luckily I, I ended up winning that thing. So, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it's one of those things where once that hit, once about the end of my junior year ended that when I, that, that, uh, affliction for it, I guess that, that basically was just kind of like, I'm going to hit the ground running on this and I'm going to, I'm going to really do it. And I, you know, I played football, 
uh, full time too. So I was like still doing that as well. And that's something that I really wanted to do um, with my life for the majority of my life. Um, <clears throat> like when I was younger, you know, you know, seeing the NFL and everything like that, you always want to achieve those dreams and everything like that. But uh, once I got really good at throwing and I realized the opportunities that opened or the doors, I should say, that opened up for me, I realized that was something that I needed to really target. I needed to, to, to go that way with it. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, when you first started and you started to get really good, you know, you're, I mean, that was kind of, I mean, it's funny because when I hear people who start out and they're not necessarily as good right away, right? Like maybe PR is like 30 feet, you know, For sure. You know, at that point, they're like, I don't think I'm very good at this, but then they grind it out and they, and they get to, a, you know, a big career to where all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, like they're throwing like, you know, huge, right? But that's like a four year yeah. progression. I mean, your progression took like, you know, two years maybe at, at, at the yeah. most before you decided that I'm going to go, you know, and throw, you know, you know, in college, you know, potentially. For sure. Um, but like, what was it like the, um, just the challenge of, of something new for you that kind of just like got you hooked or was it just the feeling of just throwing a ball really far or was it, or was it more like for a lot of people, um, the idea of like, it, it's, not and I don't I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but like you know, it's it's you. Like it's not like a team sport where like you're kind of sure. like hidden between the team, but it's like you're kind of out there. You're in the spotlight. You're the one who's in control. And a lot of people like that individual sport as opposed to a team sport, um, be, just because of that aspect. So what was it for you that kind of like like flipped that switch to be like, okay, after my junior year, like man, I'm I'm all, all in for this. Yeah, I mean the the, the team aspect is. I should say the individual versus team aspect was something that was very big for me. So like I said, playing football for so long, I've always been a workhorse type of guy. So I never really liked the fact that I could work as hard as I could, but somebody else uh, could work half as much and not do well. And the team crumbles no matter how much I gave. So something like shot put in the sense of me being able to put, you know, all my time and effort into something, which was something that I was, it wasn't foreign to me. It was something that I did for everything, including football um, and getting sort of rewarded for it and getting a lot out of it because of that was something that was very like um, something that I was very, very interested in. I, I was very, I was very uh, uh, pushed to that side. I would say um, I, I just, I, I've never really, I, I've never really shied away from, you know, doing everything that I felt like I needed to do to, to be the best that I could be. So being able to like do a sport where I can actually like, like I said, put my nose down and hit the ground running for it and actually, you know, put everything towards that. Um, and then have, you know, these special things come out of it. Like I said, get my college paid for and everything that's come about from there. Um, that's something that I think it's only, it's only made my love for the sport grow, honestly. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And obviously, you know, you, um, you know, you went to USC, but you had a little bit of a stint at the University of Florida uh, before that, um, but you didn't actually throw there. Was it just something that you were recruited up there or did you, was it something late into your career? Like what was it? Uh, I mean, you don't have to necessarily get into it to transpire, but like, you know, ultimately how, how did you end up getting into uh, at USC? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm an open book. I don't really, I, I could talk about everything, honestly. I went to Florida um, so in, in high school, originally, I was recruited to, you know, luckily a lot of places. I, like I said, I, I had a, basically any option that I wanted to go to, I could have essentially gone to, which was amazing. Um, 
But Florida had just come off of being a indoor and outdoor championship team the year before. Um, so that 2012 to 2013 year, they had, they had won indoor and outdoor nationals. And um, I originally wasn't going to go there. I actually originally, a lot of people don't know this, I originally co- verbally committed to UT. Um, so oh. University of Texas. So I went on a visit there. Ryan Krauser was my host. Um, and I, I, you know, had such a good time with the group that they had there because it was, to me, it kind of seemed like it was like shot put you. Uh, it was one of those things where it's, they had like six guys there that were all like really solid shot putters, 19 meter plus guys. Um, and at that time that was really big. So in college, I was like, man, that would make sense. I love the university. Like, uh, UT, the campus is amazing and everything. So I ended up verbally committing there. And then after I committed there, I actually took a late visit to Florida um, just basically because they were like, hey, listen, like we just want to see you, you know, come on by and you haven't signed anything yet. We really think you'd like the, the university. So I was like, all right. And I couldn't turn down the national championship team asking me to come. So I tell people a lot. It's a, like, it's a lot like a kid getting recruited by like Alabama for football or something right. like that. Like it was, it was a big deal. So I ended up going there and that campus is amazing. It's a lot of really old buildings with like, you know, uh, vines all over them and stuff. They're, they're, it's a very old field, University of Florida. And I got along with a lot of the other recruits that I went there with. Um, and it just seemed like the right fit for me, honestly, at the time. Um, especially because at the end of my visit, they had ended up offering me a, a full ride to go there. And I was like, man, I can't turn this down. Like we're going to, we're going to end up winning national championships and stuff. This is something that I wanted to be a part of, you know, when I went to school, I wanted to be, I've always wanted to be a part of like a championship team and win a championship myself. Um, I've never shied away from any of the goals that I have. And and every step of the way, I was going to be the best that I can be and the best that I, I guess the best I could be in in the, any endeavor that I do. So whether it be shop put or anything else, I just always want to be at the top. So something like that ended up turning, deterring me from UT and then, uh, getting me to University of Florida. And I went there for a year and I really, really loved school. I really like Florida, um, that campus uh, as a whole. Uh, it's not just the school itself, but like, you know, everything around it. Gainesville was a really cool place. It was a very kind of college town feel. Um, it was a little bit smaller town too, um, which was something that I was kind of looking for. I didn't want to go to a big city right off the bat. Um, mainly because it was just one of those things where it kind of may have felt a little bit daunting and, and a lot of times with kids it's like this cultural shock and stuff but for me like this is something I tell a lot of young kids too is I, I tell a lot of kids go to a place where you feel it's best for you best fit don't just go to the the first big name school that that comes your way so you know if some school comes to you but you don't feel like it's right for you don't go there you know what I mean so when I went to Florida it was like no this is this is where I should be um, and so I ended up, like I said, decommitting and, and going to Florida. Um, and my time there, uh, when it comes to, you know, meeting people, networking and all that stuff was really great. I really liked it. Um, but when it came to the athletic side, um, I just wasn't a huge fan of where I was going athletically. Um, I had a good relationship with a coach. The coach over there is Steve Lemke. Um, he's been there for a lot of years. Um, he's, a, he's a well-known coach. He's a very good coach. And um, I had a good relationship with him. It was nothing like that. There was a lot of things that he and some other people in the staff wanted me to do um, when it came to, you know, particular um, body changes and stuff. They wanted me to lose a lot of weight and stuff like that. And so there was just a lot of stuff that I feel like didn't set me up well to compete. So I ended up redshirting. And then it was still kind of going down that same road. Like, you know, they wanted all these different changes. And it got to a point where I was like, man, what is, what are we going, or what are we doing here? What's going on? This isn't what I, you know, signed up for. I wanted to come here and, 
and throw really well and, and do well right off the bat. So after that, um, I registered outdoors as well because I, I, at that point I was kind of feeling like I was going to leave just because it was just like, this isn't for me. This isn't where I'm going to thrive. I like the way I know I should. And then from there, I was going to, I was going to transfer. Um, and you know, there was a lot of really cool schools that I could have went to after I transferred. Um, so luckily I was carrying over that high school career. Um, not a, not a, a college career that didn't go the way I wanted to. So I was still kind of being recruited as like a high school athlete essentially. And, you know, I was going to go to Oklahoma with uh, Brian Blutrick um, mm -hmm. right off the bat. But um, I ended up being I, – I actually really wanted to go to USC. That, that's kind of where I wanted to go. I was like, you know, I'm just, let me just go back home, um, go to that school. I would always been a USC fan growing up. Maybe not a diehard one, but I had always followed them and stuff. Like, uh, funny, funny enough, my uh, – that that really famous Texas USC game with Vince Young and all that that was actually yeah. on my birthday um, when I was oh man I don't know I don't even know what year that was I maybe I was maybe nine or ten when that happened but yeah that was on my birthday and stuff so that was always kind of like I, ever since then I was kind of like man I really like that team <laughs> so I kept contacting Dan and it was kind of a slow process and stuff but I ended up being contacted back from Dan um, Dan Lang who's the coach at USC and I ended up going on a visit right when I came back from Florida. Um, and that school I fell in love with. Anyone that's ever been on the USC campus, you'll probably know what I mean. It's, it's not a big campus, but it's beautiful. It's a pristine campus. Um, the buildings are immaculate. Like, there's, there's this really good feel to it. I really like the fact that the campus wasn't very big. When I was at Florida, the campus was humongous. That's one of the biggest campuses in the, in the country. Um, and so I like that about it because you can basically walk anywhere. At Florida, you had to take buses and, or scooters and different stuff. So, um, but yeah, I ended up transferring to USC after I got my release from Florida. Um, and from there, um, I had my career at USC. And unfortunately, my career there wasn't what I had anticipated. It started off really good. I was a freshman All-American. That was really awesome. But um, there was a lot of trials and tribulations and bumps in the road, which everybody goes through. Um, and I ended up not really PRing, uh, at all my entire time in college. I ended up throwing a little bit of a PR, um, my senior year in college, but basically after USC, I had such a fire and desire to, uh, to keep throwing. Um, and it was just something that I was never going to, you know, give this up especially uh, with how I felt about not PRing and everything um, and, and knowing that I could, because I had seen glimpses of a lot of really big throws. So once I left USC, um, it, like it, to where I'm at now, this is, this is something that I had kind of always envisioned my career going. Like I always knew I had things like this in me. Um, I think I'm going to start seeing some really big leaps and bounds that I, I didn't anticipate. Um, but I think that's just a, 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 a nod to the work that me and Ryan are really doing. Cause I think we're trying to put myself in the best situation where, uh, in Tokyo, it's going to be really, really big. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I, obviously I, I can't wait. And a lot of people can't wait to see, you know, how things turn out as far as, you know, in the next couple of months go for you. Um, and Lord willing that we have an actual, um, you know, Olympics, you know, coming up. Here Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe talk about that after, you know, you, after you graduate and like, you just kind of touched on it, you know, your career wasn't what you thought you would be. And you knew that you had some fire. Um, was it just kind of like a dead, like, like you just knew right away, a, a decision right away that you were going to seek Ryan. Did Ryan seek you out? Like, were you trying to figure out what coaches you wanted to, to, to go after? Or like, how did you land up to be, uh, with Ryan out there? So originally in high school, I had worked with uh, Eric Johnson at uh, Airtay Throws Nation. Right. Um, and I worked with him my senior year. So 
like for like a few months my senior year um and i went from like 62 to 69 with them so it was like really good progress and uh one of the things that when i left usc i thought man maybe i should just get back to my roots like i did when i left for college you know i went to florida and then i came back to my roots for college and and it worked out so i was um, I was thinking, man, maybe I should go back to my roots and work with Eric. So I ended up coming out to Arizona originally to work with Eric Johnson. Um, I had worked with him for about four or five months uh, in at the end of 2018 and into, into the beginning of 2019. Um, but that, unfortunately, that situation didn't uh, work out well for me. I think what he does over there for up and coming athletes and for a lot of like, you know, kids who are, who are developmental is really great. But for me as a professional, I just didn't feel like it was the best fit for me. Um, so I ended up leaving that situation. And that was kind of a weird point in my career um, once I left there because I was so sure about it. You know, it's one of those things where you take this leap of faith being like, no, I know it's going to work. And life sometimes throws you a bunch of curveballs. So I ended up looking around for some more coaches. Um, I had talked to briefly uh, Zeb out at UT and uh, a few other coaches. Um, I thought about going to Justin St. Clair, North Dakota State, because I have some good friends out there, um, Alex Renner and Peyton Oderdahl. Um, But ultimately, it was right here, right here in, uh, in town where I was living. I, I was living in Tempe at the time, and Ryan trades out at Mesa, which is like an eight-minute drive. And I knew Chase Ely really well, which I think you've done a podcast with her, right? Uh, she's coming on, I think, tomorrow. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Chase, I, I knew Chase really well. Um, and so I just contacted her saying like, Hey, you know, I see you and Ryan are, are doing a lot of really cool things over there and um, I'm in town and, and cause she had worked with Eric as well. So she kind of knew the situation I was in and I was like, Hey, I'm not working with him anymore. And um, I, you know, I really, really think I could throw really far. Do you think Ryan would ever want to take a chance, you know, on somebody like myself? And she was like, yeah, I'll get you in contact with him. And, you know, at first it was, you know, very bare bones. Like the, like the very first, the very first practice I had with Ryan, I, I, we talk about all the time. I think I threw like 1810. We had measured it. It was like 18 meters 10. And I was like, so embarrassed. Cause you know, Ryan's a 22 meter guy. And I was like, man, that's, that's all I have to offer. Yeah. And Ryan was just kind of one of those guys that like, I've said the story multiple times. He basically sat me down and was like, you know, do you think you personally, it's not, it's not about what I think. Do you think you could throw, really far and be like you know up there with the guys and I was like yeah I've always felt that you know I thought about it for a second and I was like yeah I mean there's just no there's no question in my mind that if I just you know I mean if I'm put in the right direction like that's one thing that I feel like in my career I've never really had is I've never really felt like I was on the right path like I always feel like I'm either deviating from it or it's not the right way for me and it's just one of those things where I just was like, if I'm put in the right situation, I could be really, really good. And so Ryan was like, all right, let's, let's do it then. And from there, it's just, it's skyrocketed. You know, I, my first year with Ryan, I, I PR'd by a meter. And then a year from there, I PR'd by a meter. Um, <laughs> let's hope I PR by another meter this year. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been huge. Ryan, I, I've said this also a lot of times, uh, Ryan is a really great mentor and a really great friend to me. Um, I love the guy and um, what he's done for me is something that I, that I find I, I can never basically repay him uh, for. Um, it's just one of those things where it's, it's not only the throwing side, but like who I've become as a man um, through his guidance and stuff. It's been, it's been really, really great. Um, so I'm really, really thankful for him, but yeah, that's how, that's ultimately how I got to Ryan um, as a whole. Um, and I think, 
on both ends, I think on his, his end as well. Um, we've been very happy with the progress and where it's going to be going. That's awesome, man. And obviously, um, as you know, as, as a, as a thrower um, and a lot of people out there, I think the best fits for people who throw really well are those who find coaches who have good relationships with, you know, and I think that's what, what kind of separates us um, like track and field as a whole from any other sport. Like, you know, as you know, like you played football, like you probably weren't the best friend with your, you know, your head coach or, you know, and that, you know, and that's, a, there's a reason for that. And, you know, same for people who play basketball or even volleyball. And for that matter, you know, they, they those, you know, head coaches seem to isolate themselves because they need to have, like, for some reason need to have that, uh, you know, that, you know, I don't know, rep, uh, I don't know, personality or whatever for them to like get their sure. kids to understand that. But like, as a throws coach, like there's a lot of trust that like has to come in to, yeah. um, you know, trusting your coach and you trusting your athletes and all those things. And so I'm sure like that was, um, you know, the relationship that you guys built, like, like right away that, that kind of ultimately helped you, uh, you know, get to where you are right now and obviously progressing to where you want to be. Um, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, so that's what I was going to say. For me, at, at any sport, at any level, for me, I've always been, and this is, just goes back to, like, you know, the way that, like, my father and my mother raised me and stuff. I've always felt that having a good rapport and having a good relationship with, with your coach was the most important thing, especially within an individual sport. So, like, with, with football and different sports growing up, there's always going to be ego both right, both ways, right? There's just always going to be, you know, like the kids think that they know and then the coaches think they know and they just, you know, it's kind of like a bravado sort of thing. But with Ryan, you know, cause we've talked about this a lot. He agrees, you know, for the only way that this is going to work is if we're both on board, it can't go one way. It can't go another way. It's got to be a two way street. So for both of us, it's one of those things where if we are both on the same page, I've always said this, the sky's the limit because together it's not just about him coaching me and me doing all this. It's like, I'm trying to be a sponge. He's trying to basically water the sponge. And I think from there it just kind of blossoms. I, I think, I think we can just, you know, hit the ground running um, doing this together. You, you, you can never do it where it's a coach just trying to harp on an athlete that doesn't want it or doesn't want to listen. It's just never going to work. And I've had to dip, uh, different situations in my life where I have felt like maybe possibly that um, I wasn't the best that I could be, or the coach wasn't the best that they could be um, in a particular situation. But I'm finally feeling like I'm in a, a situation, like I was mentioning earlier, where I'm finally going the right direction. And I feel like one of the things that, that Ryan does the best that I've touched on previously. Um, and I feel like I was talking about this in another podcast, but maybe with other people is that Ryan is probably the best coach I've ever had in the mental side, um, not only of the sport, but, but of, uh, in life. So Ryan, for me, has instilled this not only motivation, but confidence for what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to succeed with greater than any other coach has in my life. And I feel like now on that path and that direction, like I said, that's going in the right way, finally, I feel like everything that I'm doing, no matter what it be, um, I feel like it's finally like something that's actually going to propel me rather than just being like me questioning, like, is it going to work? Like, I feel like everything's kind of like throwing coins into a piggy bank. And then once it's time, you know, having to pay off. So 
it's like I just feel like, you know, anything I do in the weight room or anything I do plyometrically out in the field, anything I'm doing in the ring, it's like, no, this is right. This is what I need to be doing. So that's something that I feel like is invaluable with Desert Eye Performance. And I feel like a lot of people, no matter what level or what age they're at, they could really find that um, <clears throat> with Ryan for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, you know, you know, some of the other athletes that are, you know, the professional athletes, you know, they sign on to potentially be, you know, volunteers and coaches, which kind of gives them access to different, um, you know, facilities, you know, indoor facilities, you know, an actual ring with like a sure. field and everything. But, you know, Ryan has a way of like finding just, I feel like just random areas for you guys to, to throw at. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, there was one, I mean, it looks like it's a highway like next to you guys and like you're in a, like, yes. a, a stretch of grass that's right there. Um, you know, like talk about kind of like, you know, maybe, you know, going from facilities from like USC where I'm sure the facilities there are, are awesome. to like kind of like a little bit of a humbleness of like, you know, Hey, like we're going to throw here, we're going to throw there. Like how does that fit into like, you know, your consistency of, of training and throwing is it actually better for you? Cause like you're, you're, you're in different you know, areas. Like maybe kind of talk about that. Cause I think people are always, you know, throwers especially like, they're always like, Oh man, this ring sucks. Like, you know, there's like these trees in the background that bother me. Like the, some of that stuff, they just got to get over Like maybe talk about how yeah. maybe that's been beneficial for you, or maybe some of the things that have been really a struggle for you to kind of, to get used to. So first and foremost, that, that highway or that field that you see us next to a highway, that's actually a farm uh, that we, we're throwing at um, last season because of the COVID pandemic. So originally we were um, at a school called MCC, Mesa Community College, um, out here. And that's where we were throwing and lifting at full time. And it's a very well-known uh, community college when it comes to track as well as football and stuff. So they have some pretty nice facilities uh, there. Um, but, you know, nothing compared to like what, you know, USC would have. It's, it's basically, you know, uh, beneath the shoe of, of a lot of those places. But that's where we were at. And so once the pandemic hit um, and a lot of schools, you know, you couldn't train at, we had to find a facility that we could use. So for a while, we were actually throwing in like a um, just like a random park field. Like it was just kind of like one that was near his home. And we would just all drive over there and throw in this park. Um, and from there, we kept getting, we kept running into a little bit of some troubles with like park rangers and stuff like that because we were making divots in the grass. Which I'm sure a lot of kids understand. A lot of kids don't have a lot of facilities they can go to that are shopping specific. So they're throwing on the grass. And I'm sure they've run into um, problems when it comes to like making divots and such. So we ended up finding that farm, which was luckily right down the road. And the guy was really, really awesome. He was like, yeah, no, you definitely come on by. We have a big old field that uh, we don't even use right next to the highway. And so that, that, that main drag right there is a very busy street. Um, but luckily the way we're pointed that there was no, there was no problem with that. But when it comes to, my outlook on the change of facilities i've never been i'm a very minimalistic guy especially when it comes to like facilities and such so when i was at usc they had phenomenal facilities whether it be their lifting areas their um locker rooms different things like that but the throwers always had this thing at usc it was very well known it was called the dungeon and it was uh essentially it was underneath our tennis stadium um and it was old and dingy it had broken mirrors, blood on the walls. Everything was rusted out. And honestly, that was something that I loved about the school. 
I, I meant to mention that earlier when I was talking about what school I wanted to go to. That was something that I loved about it. I love the fact that like the throwers could just get away from all this nice new stuff and like just get down to brass tacks and just like, you know, lift in a place where like if you fail and you break a window or break a, a mirror, nobody cares. Like it was, it's like it was like blood, sweat, throwing. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where yeah. it was like you gave – that was really, truly a place you could give your life to it. And I spent a lot of time in that dungeon, and I spent a lot of time alone in that dungeon, which was probably ill-advised and probably <laughs> something that I shouldn't have done. But luckily, we had keys to it and stuff, and I spent a lot of, like – spent a lot of time thinking and, and you know, just, just getting some anger out and stuff in that place, so I loved it. So for me, I've always – that's kind of allowed myself to be like, man, if I can just get – you know, little to nothing. I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't need, I don't need to have this like very nice new state of the art thing. If, if anything, like I had mentioned, I'm actually looking for uh, the, the older kind of stuff. So that MCC weight room, it was a nicer weight room for community college sake, but it still had rusted metal plates. There's a lot of stuff we put in there that kind of gave it still that vibe. And that was kind of one of those places, like I said, I could go to, you know, I've, I've been to that weight room plenty of times thinking about stuff after bad meets and stuff like that, just really giving all of myself to it. So something like that for young kids, especially I, I, I can always tell kids like, don't be looking for the, the nice new stuff. Like you, you've, you've got to figure out what's the best situation for you. So if it has to be, and not even that, like you just have to find a situation that works. So don't, don't try to like, you know, beat yourself down trying to find this really nice place. And that's the only way you're going to throw for, I mean, I've done, right. I've gone, I mean, I've thrown off of concrete slabs and parks and stuff. I mean, I've done, I, I've done everything under the sun when it comes to that stuff. So you could still be a very elite athlete uh, with, with the bare minimum. And like I said, I feel like that almost builds a lot of characters. So, so a lot of kids should be looking for that anyway. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, so, so, so true. And, you know, that's, that's awesome that you're able to kind of uh, make the best of what you have. And that's the attitude that you that you have, because, I mean, easily could be, a, you know, a blame game for like, oh, man, like, you know, I, I got to go through, you know, throw at Ryan's house and throw into a tarp. And like, you know, I don't want to do that because I don't get to see the, you know, the ball fly as far <laughs> as whatever that is. And, you know, but it's, it's cool, though. And part of that is just buying into, you know, the training that's happening and, and just, you know, having that um, ability just to, you know, be like, hey, it is what it is. Like, this, I mean, this you know pandemic and all this stuff that's happening, like, you know, we're going to make the best of what we can in the situations that we're in. And it's really cool to see, uh, you know, Ryan be creative with like with you guys, you know, and it's not like, you know, and I, I always tell my guys, I'm like, man, like professional athletes are being creative, like what, with what they're doing, like you guys can sure. do the same, like you guys can like go you know, do the same. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's awesome that you guys are, you know, doing that and, and representing and, and uh, almost, you know, you almost kind of represent like, you know, all of us out here because we don't have, you know, the luxury of like getting into facilities like you, you know, for, sure. just kind of for that. So uh, for that, you know, whatever, whatever it means, I, I appreciate that as, as, a, as a coach and, and what you guys are doing. Thank you. That's, that's, yeah, that's I think I think this time, the time this past year, I think was invaluable for a lot of people in the sense that if you really took it and ran with it, um, if you really thought, man, I'm not going to let this stop me, um, and I'm just going to keep going. Um, I know a lot of people had really hard situations. You know, some people had a lot of like health complications, whether it be with themselves or with their families. But if you were in a situation to really keep training and everything like that, um, there's a lot of people that got a lot of really good stuff out of it, myself included. Um, I I never stopped. Um, I I knew. 
luckily I had an agent that was very clear that there was going to be stuff later on in the summer uh, because, you know, other places, foreign um, and also domestic were going to be open uh, to meets. But, uh, you know, me and Ryan, we set up a game plan a long time ago when it started to basically be like, hey, let's just try to figure this out. And so we, I mean, we put together, like you said, we got creative. I mean, you've probably seen in some of my videos and stuff, you'll see me lifting with like eight different colored plates like they're none of them are the same and it's just basically because like ryan had sets of stuff and then we found sets of stuff and for a while i was lifting in a in a buddy's garage and we all we brought a bunch of stuff over there and did a lot of really heavy lifts in that garage with a bunch of miscolored misshaped plates and just got after it like there was a lot of spills and stuff i have a funny story where i was actually doing a a set of half field squats with like a little bit over a thousand and uh Sam Noenig and Jordan Geist, who both go to U of A now, were in there lifting too. And unfortunately, because we had all these misshaped plates, I couldn't get clips on there. So I had to be like, hey, can you guys make sure that the plates are, are staying on? And unfortunately, I took one step back on my right foot, and then my, and I could feel the plates already going. And I stepped back again, and we had this massive tumble where it you know, flipped over me and everything. But that's kind of like – you know, at that point, it was a scary thing, but it was one of those things where I was like, man, this is, this is going to happen with what we're doing. This is like we're trying to put pieces to the puzzle together to, to make something out of this. So going through stuff like that is, is like I said, it was invaluable for me. I, I feel like I've come out of that year better than I was going into it, and that's something yeah. that I always set my sights on doing. Um, like I said, I, I got a lot stronger. I got a lot better in the ring, and, and I think it really showed when I went overseas and, and some of the meets that I did. Um, so yeah, I'm super thankful for Ryan and stuff. So it's not just me. It's not just the athletes. Ryan was very good at that too. You know, and I'm sure it's like yourself with the, with the athletes that you coach. It's like, there's a lot of coaches out there that really want to keep kids going because they know that this is, you know, these are valuable years for a lot of them, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. still, I'm still considered a young guy. So these are years that you got to take advantage of. So I I completely get it because there's a bigger meaning to it all. It's like, you know, like I said, it's a bigger picture thing. Yeah. You know, I want to kind of, you know, switch gears a little bit and kind of talk about a topic that's kind of been a hot topic out there. And I've asked all the people who have been on the, on the podcast to kind of give their insights on, on, on the topic of mental health and, and, you know, comparison and, 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 and especially because throwers, like there's two parts. There's one part is like, you know, the mentality of a thrower, like, oh, you know, meathead, like should have no emotions, just eat food, throw far, like don't even like, you know, whatever. And the other side of it too is like the huge comparison side, right? And obviously for you, you know, you know, you know, you know, one, you know, you know, an outside kind of a thing that might affect, you know, your mental is like, you know, like you said, like Ryan, like, you know, like a world, world class athlete who's done it, who's been there, who's done those things, right. You know, you know, taking you on, you know, you don't want to disappoint him. Then you, you know, then, you know, he brings in Nick and he brings in, you know, Darrell, you know, who are also striving to do that as well as, you know, as well as the people who are, who are out there you know, like Ryan, who you be competing against, Krauser, who you be competing against, and, you know, and um, Joe as well, you know, who, ha- who had a great career, in, you know, or a great season in, in 2019. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being a professional athlete, how do you, in your, you know, way to stay, stay, keep your mental health in a positive direction where, you know, I'm sure there's days where it's, it's, it's tough, um, but what are, what are some tricks that you, um, have found that are useful for you that maybe people are out there who are, who are in the same boat, like, you know, who, who, you know, like I said, like, like we're all told, like, you know, 
forget about you know forget about that you get the next one what it's hard like it's hard so what what has worked for you and in 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 that aspect of mental health yeah so for i would say as like as a whole from the 2020 season for me um like I had mentioned previously, like I was, I was very, I had a stronghold on what I wanted to do. So the whole pandemic and stuff, it didn't deter me a lot, but I know it did for a lot of other people. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to mental health uh, outside of 2020, but I guess 2020 is a, is a big talking point um, because of the pandemic, was that I tried not to harp on it a lot. Like I tried not to think about all the negatives um, when it came to like, oh, I didn't get to make the money that I wanted to last year. Or, oh, I didn't get to do all these things because of the pandemic. Because in that sense, it's just going to be a spiral downward effect, really, if you think about it. You know, I didn't get to do this and I didn't get to do that. And all these things are happening to me. It's just kind of like it's building in this like really dark place. And I think a big thing for people, too, is because of the fact that they had to stay alone um, socially a lot because of the pandemic, um, a lot of them kept a lot of things inside and um, a lot of them basically just stuck to themselves. And I think the biggest thing for me was to try to be open and honest. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. Like I said, when it came to my relationship with Ryan, being open and honest. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from that, just being able to put everything on the table. Let's put all the cards on the table. This is how I feel like, you know, and, and, and I'm pissed off about it and all these things. And, Somebody like Ryan was really great, like I said, mentally to talk to about a lot of that stuff. But, you know, at the same time, he's never been in the situation either. So laying off a lot of negative things onto Ryan was also unfair as well. So it was kind of like a, a mutual thing. My, me taking responsibility for how I felt and everything like that, and then also working with Ryan and some other people as well. Um, just being able to like know that there's other people in your situation um, that feel for you and, and, and want to see the best from you. It also really allowed me to feel like I could still go with everything. And, and I think that's another big topic too, is, you know, don't feel like you're alone. I think a lot of people this last year, like I said, they kept everything inside and they just kind of almost uh, <laughs> yeah, like kind of like hermit crab themselves in their, mm. wherever their, their living situation is. But there's a lot of people out there that were in your situation, like, especially when it comes to shot put athletes. So reach out to people, you know, I mean, there's, you're not alone. It's not like you're just going to be the only person there that is uh, trying to talk to people. And they're like, Oh, leave me alone. I'm, I'm doing things and stuff. It's like other people are still in your situation. Like, man, I, I need you too. So it's kind of like a collective effort. And the cool part was when I went to Europe, all the guys that ended up really digging down and ended up traveling and stuff like Ryan and Joe and stuff. It was really great to talk to them um, just because, you know, like they were the same as me, you know, it was like, man, it was really tough and stuff, but I wanted to buckle down. I wanted to be able to do things. And I, and I, and I knew what I had, I knew what I could give. Um, and so if I could do it in a safe manner, um, I wanted to be able to, to go and do it. But yeah, when it comes to mental health stuff, I was fortunate enough um that i didn't really i wasn't really too affected by it especially in the 2020 thing and, and as a whole um you know i grew up in a very strong household like we had mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show um italian father italian mother you know I, I grew up in a very like strong stern household but full of love sort of thing so i learned a lot of really good life lessons and such and i feel like i've always had a really good uh, a sense of my mental health and, and being able to make that kind of like almost my strength so Something like that I was able to fall back on too, like the, the, the 25 years of, of, you know, either experiences or other things that, that I've had to go through and just being like, oh, no, I could get through this for sure. Yeah, that's, that's totally cool. You know, awesome. And I, part of it too probably is just the community that you have, the, the consistency that you got to see 
you know, the community that you're throwing with as well, you know, and, you know, with, you know, with Ryan and, and Darrell and, and, and Nick and, and Chase and all For that, sure. you know. And so that, I you mean, know, the majority of the time, that. actually, it's funny with when it comes to Nick and Darrell, like the majority of the time during the pandemic, I would say probably 65% of it was still like just me and Ryan. Like there was a long time where it was just me and Ryan. Um, whether it be, you know, Darrell or Nick having things on their own, in their own life and stuff. But like Nick didn't come out here full time till like September, I think. So it was like, he was, wasn't really here full time and Darrell was here full time for a while, but he had his own stuff going on, whether it be, you know, certain things with injuries and other things like that. So he wasn't always there. So it was kind of like, I mean, the majority of the time it was just still me. And it, like I said, and that, that could be daunting for a lot of people. And, and that could be really tough for your mental health. Like, man, it's just me. Like, you know, what's the point and stuff. But for me, it was like, if anything, for me, I use that to my advantage. And um, it's tough to say that, but it's the truth. Um, I, I look at it like, you know, I'm going to be the one to give all, get, or give all of myself and, and, and really just hit it hard and hammer it in right now, because this is, this is people who do that are going to really, really pay off. I, I mentioned this in a post um, previously that I did it a, a week or two ago, but like the universal always, repay those who are the hardest working people in the room so for me it was like it was very easy for me to just be like let me just let me just buckle down right now yeah that's and that's awesome man and you know and that's i think what's what kind of like fuels you and kind of helps propel you to the next level is because you're able to uh discern that and be able to use that to your advantage to uh, where most people would have as well as me kind of attitude and, and, and unfortunately that's kind of like where the world is at right now it's like what was me everybody else is the you know, and they play the victim card, but you know, sure. you, kind of, you know, strap it up and and go after it because you know. You yeah. Wait. I mean, it's like 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 I had mentioned. It's just one of those things where I feel like a lot of people felt that way, and it was like a spiral downward thing. It was like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, and then they just got to a point where they just didn't do anything at all. And like I said, I know it's a really tough year and everything like that, but at the end of the day, to a certain point or to a certain degree, I should say, life has to continue. And what do you want right. from this life? You know what I mean? It's not just, it's, it's more than shot put. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, you know, what do you want to get? Do you want to have this like miserable existence or do you want to like, you know, take advantage of your life, the, the, this one life that you have to live as corny right. as it sounds. No, that's totally true. Uh, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that, that's, that's just awesome for you to open up and I appreciate that. But, uh, Absolutely. You, know, you know, changing, changing gears here a little bit. Let's let's talk about you know the the power that you have over any other thrower that's out there right now, and that is the fanny pack. Like let's let's just kind of dive into that a little bit. So when when did that come about? I mean, obviously you know um, the the you know there was obviously rumors kind of around like what's in there. Like is he asthmatic? Does he have his inhaler in there? Like like what is he? Like, no, is he, is, you know he's obviously Italian. Is, are there a couple of cannolis in there? Like what's you know? What's, what's I wish. Gosh, that's a so good like, idea. I should do something like that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah so the fanning actually came. So wait, I'm sorry, say that again. So when did that actually kind of start? Like, when was that a thing for you? Yeah, so the fanny actually started, um, man, it must have been, I want to say it was like, like around the end of February of this year. So I had, you know, I had competed um, throughout indoors and stuff like that. And, um, I was doing well and that was without the fanny, but I had always had this thought in the back of my mind that like, you know, cause I going through college and stuff, I wore a fanny pack every once in a while. Cause I wanted to bring it back. <laughs> so I've always thought the fanny is a hilarious thing, but also incredibly useful. Um, so I was like, man, I should get a way where I could bring it back. 
And so going through the indoor season and stuff like that, and just, you know, being a, a professional shop fighter, you go to a lot of these meets and you see there's chalk everywhere. Chalk on the ground, chalk in the grass, chalk in the sector, in the ring. And so it was one of those things where I was like, man, there should be a better way for, to, to, you know, uh, hold your chalk. And so for me, I like, I, I remember one night I was just kind of like laying down and I was like, oh man, that'd be a funny way to do it is to put chalk in my fanny pack. And I thought, oh, that'd be really nifty and stuff. And so I remember um, I had actually lost a bet on my birthday of last year and it was a football bet. So I was, I'm a New York Giants fan and Ryan's actually a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Right. And so the last game of the year last year uh, for both our teams, I was like, Hey, listen, we should do a, uh, we should do a bet and whoever loses has to uh, dye their hair. And so I ended up losing that bet and I dyed my hair blonde. And then I lost a second bet with his wife, who's also a Giants fan. Um, I forget exactly what bet it was, but I ended up having to, to dress like Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> at this charity event that we did last year. And so I was like, man, this is kind of like piling on. And so luckily she actually ended up buying me a fanny pack um that because i already had one i have this i have this really nice older leather one and i thought no i shouldn't do this i don't want to ruin it so she ended up getting me like a cheaper one for the for the costume and i was like man this is perfect for for the uh for for the the test so i remember one day i brought it out and ryan was like you know what are you doing with it because i it, it was kind of a smaller fanny pack so I, I could barely fit one block of chalk in there yeah. And I was like, I told him, I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking about this cool idea where like I could like wear a fanny pack with chalk in it and stuff. And he cracked up laughing because he was like, that would be, that would be so funny. And so I had a day where I, I was throwing with it and I was in a really good spot at that point. So I ended up having a really good day. And so I was like, I got to wear the fanny from now on. It, of course it wasn't because of the fanny pack, but I just tell people it was because of the fanny pack. Um, but yeah, so from there, um, I, right after that, I actually ended up going to New Zealand and unfortunately the pandemic started immediately. So I didn't really get to, to showcase it because what I wanted to do is I wanted to showcase it in my, in an international meet. So I went to New Zealand because I had, uh, three professional meets lined up in uh, New Zealand and in Australia, which I was so pumped about because they were good paying meets and, um, I, I had a really good shot of doing really well. So once the pandemic uh, started, it was unfortunate because I was in another country. So I had to, you know, come back quickly. But, um, but from there, you know, we kept, we kept uh, uh, really hitting it hard and stuff like that. Um, but I kept wearing the fanny pack. And luckily at that time, right when I got back from New Zealand, um, I signed a contract with Hate Brand Goods, um, which is a, a sponsor that I have for, for uh, throwing and such, which, I love the brand and, and, and what Matt has done um, for me, especially, but they provide a fanny pack. They call the everyday pack. And at the time I was like, Hey man, like I had this idea where I want to throw with a fanny pack. Um, and I've been doing it in my, in my videos and stuff, but I was like, can I was like, can I get a fanny pack to throw with it? So he sent it to me. Um, and he thought it was a funny idea too. He's like, Oh, that'd, that'd be a nifty thing. So I use the everyday pack now to do or to, to hold my chalk in. And that fanny pack is humongous. Like I could fit, I could fit like chalk, snacks, wrist wraps, all sorts of stuff in the same fanny pack. So, um, so yeah, I used the, uh, the first edition of that everyday pack for a while. And then unfortunately it was recently stolen. I had my, my throwing bag stolen. So it was recently oh. stolen, which is unfortunate because I had so many memories with that. You know what I mean? I want a diamond yeah. league in that, in that fanny pack and, 
I did all these really cool things in that fanny pack. So it was kind of unfortunate, but luckily Matt was cool enough and he replaced the one I, I, I lost with a new one. So I'm still throwing with that on. And, uh, but yeah, that's basically like, I think a lot of people, yeah, it was kind of for a while people were like, you know, what's he wearing it for? And, um, it's definitely for chalk, but I have found like other uses for it. Like, like I said, sometimes I put wrist wraps and stuff in there. I put tape in there. Um, at one point I put like everything that was going to be on my arm, I put in there. So I was just like, Oh, it's just all in one place. Um, I had a cuff in there, like one of those slingshot cuffs in there, just in case I had any, like elbow pain and stuff like that. Because when you go to some of these meets, sometimes you can't bring stuff with you into the track. Um, so it was just like, Oh, let me just keep everything in there just in case. So, Unfortunately, you can't use a fanny pack in any major championship. So I believe you can't wear a fanny pack in like the Olympics, in a world championship or anything like that, unless, from what I've been told, unless your country and the kit that you've gotten from the country has a fanny pack in it. So, if, so let's just say for Tokyo, if my Italian, my Italian kit had an Italian flag fanny pack, then I could wear it. Yeah. So that's going to be one of my talking points with the Federation for me to go, <laughs> go compete for them. I've got to get a fanny pack. So, but yeah, that's, that's my biggest goal is honestly to try to get a fanny pack in the Olympics. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my calling card right now. I, I think the biggest thing like we were talking about before the show started is throwing has so many characters and personalities and stuff, right. but I, I feel like, you know, guys who really stick around are guys that have their own like niche thing. So, yeah. you know, like Adam Nelson had those space for ranch shirts and at least my mom loves me. And then uh, Reese had the mask thrower for a while. Like yeah. guys just have these sort of personas. So for me, I was like, man, because I'm kind of a goofy guy already, the fanny pack would be a funny, funny idea. And, uh, a lot of people have really, really liked it. Um, I've, yeah. I've had a lot of people from, it's funny all over the world have messaged me and just been like, man, that's a really cool idea. What do you have in there and stuff? So yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the history of the fanny, but I, I definitely plan on, on wearing it a lot of, you know, some bigger meets definitely in diamond leagues this year um, and different stuff like that to uh, really keep showcasing the, uh, the fanny. And like I said, hopefully I'll be able to get it in like a diamond league final and then hopefully the Olympic games. I want to get, the, I want to get the fanny, the biggest meets in the world. I think that'd be, that'd be a, a good nod to it. Dude, I think that's 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 an amazing goal. I feel like, you know, we need to, you know, either, you know, sign a position or, you know, send out some hashtags <laughs> or whatever whatever we need to do. I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's awesome, you know. Uh, you know, like you said, like, you know, Ryan Krauser, he always has his cowboy hat that he, you know, you know, sure. you know, dons around and everything. And I think the fanny pack for itself is 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 awesome and um, you know, when it gets big, I mean, unfortunately, the one that you had has gotten stolen. But I feel like when you know you get the new one, there, there's got to be an Instagram page that you got to set up for that thing. And I and, knew this uh, was going there because I've had people. <laughs> I, I knew this was going this way because I've had people that have asked me to do that, like to take yeah. pictures of just the fanny pack for other places. Like I had a really cool idea from a buddy of mine where he was like, you know, any ring that you go to internationally, yeah. take a picture of like the fanny in the ring. And just be like, oh, this is like where I was at. This is how I threw and stuff. I think it'd be kind of a funny idea. That might actually yeah. catch some fire too, because that's pretty funny. But it's definitely got notoriety around the track community too. Like Runner Space has, has, has posted about it. I know some people have tweeted about it. So it's yeah. definitely it's, it's definitely catching fire. So yeah. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it going. Hopefully it uh it keeps going. Now do you, do you have a name for it, or you just call do you, or you just call it the Fanny no, like? <laughs> I should, I should, I just call it the fanny, but yeah, I should get a name for it. That's a good idea. Honestly. Yeah. But you, you, need, you need to get your own line. There's gotta be some chubby diamonds, 
you know, line of fannies, man. That's what I'm, I'm saying. glad that you're doing that too, because that's where I want to go with it. So yeah. once it, once it gets big enough, I'd like to get to a certain situation, whether it be with eight or maybe another company that makes fanny packs as a whole, where I can have like either a sponsorship or something where I can make my own. So yeah. a lot of big things is like, you know, a lot of people have like merch and stuff like Joe, I think just came out with some merch and things like yeah. that. Which I think is a really cool idea. It's a really good way to get in a good amount of revenue. Um, but, you know, T-shirts are a dime a dozen. Like, everybody's right. got a T-shirt and everything like that. So, for me, I think having, like, a line of fanny packs would be really cool. Yeah. And on top of that, I think it would be really cool to, like, showcase some cool designs and stuff. Right. Like, and get some flames <laughs> on it and, like, some stripes and, like, cool stuff like that. I think it would be a really, really cool idea. So, yeah. that is ultimately – I'm glad you brought that up. That's ultimately something I'd like to do as well down yeah. the road. I'm thinking like, you know, you sit down with some designers because obviously you probably the, the inside where the chalk is, I'm sure you could probably develop something to where it holds the chalk a little bit better. So it's not as messy as that. Maybe, maybe a holder yeah. for a towel. I mean, the, the sky's the limit at this point. For, for sure. Candy, man. For sure. I, you know what I thought? I've actually thought it would be a cool idea is, um, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like in the NFL, they have those hand warmers yeah. that quarterbacks yeah. wear. I've always thought having a fanny pack that had like, some closed sides that you can kind of <laughs> shove your hand into. And then when you take it out, it closes back up, but yeah. having like a hand warmer style thing rather than constantly trying to like zip it up open. Because one of the biggest problems is when you have chalk and it gets like, you know, dirty and different things is the zippers kind of go. So on my right. first one in one of the pockets that I was using chalk in the zipper was kind of getting caught. So I was like, Oh man. So I started to use the backside. But I've always thought maybe if I had a I had a fanny pack that had a design where it was almost like a hand warmer, but the sides were like closed, so you had to kind of yeah. like you know it's almost like a vacuum sealed sort of thing. I think that'd be a really cool idea because that way it would just be much easier too to just kind of like reach in, grab some, and then you just put it on your hands. Yeah, I think I think we're onto something. So you know, designers out there, people who are like looking to design <laughs> things or good at like yeah. you know whatever, like you know, draw something out, send, submit some uh, uh, designs out to to Nick and. And uh, have them have them check those out because I, I honestly <laughs> yeah. like I can't I, wait to if like this, if if anything comes about this where somebody actually is a designer and wants to do it I am all for it honestly <laughs> all for it I can't wait to like you know see high school meets this year and see a ton of kids just rock, rocking fanny packs with chalk in it and, and snacks and whatever. I mean, I, yeah. I might just go buy some and have my kids wear it. You know, just wear it and That'd be sweet. wear it around. That'd so be sweet. We'll, we'll see. So. Uh, I love yeah, seeing but, people like I love seeing people uh, either tell me or or show me that they're wearing a fanny pack too. I've seen yeah, a few people so I'd love, love to be able to see it, see see them uh, showcased. Yeah. Well, hey Nick, I appreciate the time that we've had. I, I just have a, a section that I like to call fun questions as we close up. Just like yeah. I ask everybody, uh, just so they can kind of get a, a feel of like you know more so of who you are, just kind of outside the box kind of questions, but. Sure. Uh, the first one is like, do you have like a night before comp routine? I always tell people about mine. Mine is like, where I, I took, I would take my jersey and I'd lay it on the floor, and then below that my shorts, and then I put my socks out, and then like my my throwing shoes at the end, and then like yeah. whatever I was wearing, so like a headband or or an armband, and I would lay that as if I was laying on the floor, like on the floor. And I just felt like I was like ready to go, like if I were to like do that. Do you have kind of a a a quirky little night before, like day of, like meet, like routine that you would do? So when I was in high school, it was fu funny enough. Any big meet I went to, actually, I, I, now that I think about it, it might have been any meet. 
I my dad would make a, a pasta dish, which is carbonara. It's basically, you know, uh, noodles with some with some egg yolks and some different stuff and some uh, pancetta and shit like that in there. And um, I would I would eat that. That was like my pre meat routine. That was like the only time I ever had like an actual routine. I was like, I gotta have this. But nowadays, like, I'm glad you mentioned that stuff with the uniform. One of the biggest things I do the night before is usually you get your bib and stuff whenever you get your packets, whenever you go to these meets. Um, but I usually put my a pillow into my jersey, and then I put my bib on and stuff like that, and I lay it out on a chair. Um, but when it comes to, like, specific, like, physical stuff, for a long time, um, like in 2019 in my season, the majority of my season was in uh, – was domestically. So I used to travel with a Normatec, the Normatec boots. So I used to always wear the Normatec boots. But for me nowadays, I try not to have any like specific routine because a lot of the times when you go to these other countries, you're not allowed to bring a lot of things. And sometimes you'll go without things. So like, let's just say I traveled with Normatecs and then they got lost. Mm. It's like, I don't want to be mentally screwed because of like, I, I don't have my Normatecs. Right. So I've really gotten to a point where it's like, I feel like I'm just ready. Um, so there's nothing really that I try to do specifically when it comes to any sort of routine other than like that, like I told you, that stuff with, with my uniform and stuff, making sure I have everything in my backpack, which is something that I feel like everybody should do. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have anything like really specific. Like I said, just mainly because of the fact that when you get to more of an elite level, you may have to go without a lot of that stuff. And so you don't want to have that be like a crunch, you know, where yeah, it's like, if that, gets, sure. if that gets kicked out from underneath me, I can't, I can't throw far. So yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you have a, a, a most embarrassing throwing story that maybe you can think about? I mean, besides the fact that you threw 18 meters in front of Ryan, uh, the first <laughs> yeah. time you met him, uh, was there anything that was kind of quirky that you're like, oh man, like, I just can't believe I just did that, uh, type of moment? Oh man. Um, I was actually, I, th I saw this question that you sent me and I was actually thinking about this and there was, there's a few, but that like, I, like, I don't really have too many. Like, there's been a few times where I've taken throws really hard in a meet and I'll fall. And that's something I feel like a lot of people do. Um, yeah. I don't really – like, I can't really think of a, of a throwing situation where, I like, I was either in a meet or anything like that and I was just, like, super embarrassed because of something that I did. Um, there was one time when I was throwing last year uh, with Ryan and Chase where I ripped my pants, um, which, is, which is, you know, such a classic – um, I was throwing in, I want to say I was throwing in like joggers or something, or maybe just some athletic pants and they ripped on me trying to get a, cause one of the things is somebody called me that they said I was the king of saves. So I always try to get like a lot of really cool saves. And so I was trying to hold a throw and I ended up ripping my pants and, but you know, that like, to me, it's not really embarrassing. Like I kind of, right. like I said, I, I kind of like, I live for kind of moments like that. So I, I yeah. embrace it. So yeah, yeah I, know, I don't know. It's really tough. Like I, one thing I was thinking about with that question is that, to me, like an embarrassing thing, like an embarrassing moment, it's just kind of – that's not something that I really think about much anymore. I'm sure if I thought deep down, there's probably a high school moment where I was embarrassed. Um, but, like, anymore, like, I, like it's – there's so many things that go like, – like, for example, um, when I was in Chorzow, Poland, uh, there was a meet where David Storl, like, he was, like, throwing up his shot, and it, like, slipped out of his hand, and it, like, went onto the track. Like, it, like, rolled onto the track. And it was like, you know, it was just kind of a funny moment, but like none of us are like, it's just, it just happens. Like none of us right. are really embarrassed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So many of us are in our own world anyway, that half the time we don't even really realize it until after the meet. Yeah. But yeah, none of us really get like much 
embarrassed i should say anymore yeah. like, there's not really those kind of emotions anymore you know so right, right. if anything like i said for a guy like myself i'm looking for something like that on national television <laughs> just to be able to post on the, on the gram <laughs> no I'm, I'm the same way I, I used to be more of an instigator when i competed in high school where i would create those embarrassing moments around my friends so they would be more embarrassed than i was and i was for sure Mental that, that made, I like it. yeah I like yeah it. that made me yeah. laugh a lot um, do, do you have any hidden talents that maybe you, like maybe people don't know about? Lee, other than eating and lifting weights, I don't really have too many <laughs> talents. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, when I was a kid, I was actually, funny enough, I was actually, I wanted to be an architectural engineer for a long time. So I wanted to, to draw buildings. I wanted to draw homes and landscapes. So I got really good at like artistry and stuff like that. But man, I haven't mm. done that in a long time. That's probably a hidden talent that a lot of people don't know about me. Um, but other than that, no, no, I mean, like, I just, you know, I, I just, I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a guy who loves to eat food and, uh, loves to lift heavy weight. That's, that's, <laughs> that's as complex as I get. Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe we get some of that artistry when, you know, those, those, uh, you know, the chubby those diamonds. Designs. Yeah. Designs the, the fanny pack out, designs. For sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, this next section I like to call favorites, you know, we just kind of list about favorites, um, you know, get to know you kind of stuff. Uh, so the first one is favorite, favorite animal. Favorite animal's got to be a dog. But I would say, like, when it comes to overall animals, like, it's, like, past and present, my favorite animal of all time is actually a saber-toothed tiger. Um, I don't know why that is. That might be a nostalgic thing. But, like, when I was a kid, that was such a badass animal. A saber-toothed tiger was, like, such a badass animal. But, yeah, right now, probably a dog. And a close second would probably be a lion, if I had okay. to guess. There you go. Yeah, just lion heart, you know what I mean? Like, that just it, – it has, like – like underlying meaning i feel like not only just for for what it does but you know what it could mean for uh people right uh a favorite song like do you have a song that you like listen to before you you go work out or there's, there's one that's always got to be in the mix when you're when you're throwing or whatever uh my favorite song of all time is dreams by van halen so van halen's okay. actually my favorite band of all time which is funny because i ask people a lot like what's your favorite band and yeah. a lot of people can't choose because there's so much good music out there but for me, yeah. I have always been a massive Van Halen fan. Um, they're just like, I don't know, for me, they're quintessential rock and roll. They've had two. The, the one thing that I love about them is they've had like both eras of rock and roll like personified. So they had that hair band, uh, you know, David Lee Roth, you know, uh, Jump and all that, like that era. And then right. they had Sammy Hagar who sang more like ballads and stuff. So it was like yeah. they, they had this like massive, like really complex career. And so um, for me, yeah, Dreams by Van Halen um, is probably my favorite song of all time. But any like when it comes to um, working out and stuff like that, um, like if I'm lifting, I'm a big metal head. Um, so right now I'm a big fan of Gojira, who's a, who's a, a heavy metal band. Um, but I always go to Master of Puppets by Metallica. That's, okay. that's quintessential. Get, get ready to go. Yeah. I, I, my, one of my favorite songs, um, this came out probably later on, I think my senior year or whatever, but it was right now by Van oh, Halen. Oh yeah. By Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. That intro, like, like the intro part of it, like leading up to, I mean, that's just the, the best rise of, of any yeah, that's one of my favorite albums from them. That uh, yeah. for unlawful carnal knowledge. That's a that's yeah. a really good album, um, and that song is that's badass. That's that's probably in my opinion my top one of my top three favorite Van Halen songs for sure. Yeah, that piano intro right when it hits up, and then they oh, have yeah. like that low bass coming in. Yeah, oh, it's so good. I mean, and that's what I mean. Right like, that's, yeah, that's one of those songs that was like later on in their in their career because it was like 
it was more of like a ballad. It was like a very like, you know, it was a, it was a song everybody could listen to rather than it being like just a really heavy hair yeah. metal band sort of uh, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, you have an all-time favorite movie? Um, yeah, actually, I do. Um, this is actually a nostalgic thing, but my favorite movie of all time, and people, a lot of people have never seen this. It's actually, um, oh, gosh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. It's a Tom Hanks movie, um, uh, uh, Road to Perdition. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. It's, I mean, he's like an Irish mafia hitman and stuff. Right. It's, a, it's a fantastic movie. Um, something my father had, had showed me when I was a young kid. And then a close second for me is uh, Last of the Mohicans. Ooh. Last of the Mohicans, probably one of the best soundtracks when it comes yeah. to, uh, to, to film of all time. That last scene where the dad avenges his kid, that, if, if that doesn't get you going, like if you're not watching that scene and you're not ready to run through a brick wall, I don't know what, what's the matter with you. Yeah, but as you can tell, like a lot of things too, that's, which is funny, a lot of things, I am a younger guy, but I am such an, a, 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 an old man on the inside. I have such an old man heart. Like, everything that I like was, like, pre-1990, it seems like. Yeah, that's awesome. Dude, I appreciate yeah. that. I for sure yeah. do. Um, are you are you currently binge-watching, like, any Netflix shows or anything? Um, at the moment, no. I actually just binge-watched um, the uh, – Who's the, what's the one show that's really popular right now? It's that chess show on Netflix. Oh, the, have you heard uh, about was, that? It's called, yeah, um, was it the Crown or something? Oh no, it's uh, the Queen's Gambit. Is what it was oh, called. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I binged yeah, that yeah. and I watched it. It was pretty solid. Uh, I wouldn't say I was like a, a massive fan, but um, but yeah, no, I mean like there's nothing that I was uh, that I've been binge watched recently um, that's been like uh, something that I thought was really really good. Uh, I about a year ago I binge watched. Um, Mind Hunter, which I thought was a great show on Netflix. Mm. Um, that one's about it's about like serial killers and stuff and getting into the yeah. mind of serial killers. That was always really cool. Um, and then you know, there's 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 classic shows that I'm like really into that um, that are just kind of funny. Like I'm a huge Letter Kenny fan, the Hulu show. Um, it's it's about guys who are farmers up in Canada, and it's it's really really funny. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of a show called The Ranch on Netflix. Okay. Um, that's also a show that like I haven't probably seen in a year because they finished the show and then uh, Big Mouth just came out the Nick Kroll show that's also a really good one so if anybody needs some recommendations for Netflix shows during this pandemic that's uh those those are really good options nice there you go uh, a couple more uh, favorite kind of candy you know I've never really been a big candy fan to be mm. honest with you but I I actually recently talked about this with my coach's wife because she was mentioning like uh, some stuff we were doing for a um, a football bet like we do bets each week for football lineups so like games mm. will like you know bet who's gonna win and I it had come up that like I, I remembered that my favorite candy bar of all time is a hundred grand so I don't Ooh, know if you ever yeah. had a hundred grand yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a crunch bar with caramel on the inside so that is that like that is quintessential nostalgia to me yeah. and then a close second uh, would probably be like a three musketeers something like that Ooh, um, yeah I mean I like I like high chews high that's that's a foreign thing I think I think it's an Asian candy but like I'm not like a huge candy fan in the sense of like I don't crave it all the time. I've always yeah. been the kind of guy that like, I'd rather have a second helping of food than a, <laughs> than a dessert. So, uh, so, but yeah, no, those, those are probably like, if I had to think about it, those are probably my favorite candies right there though. If I had to nice. guess. Nice. Uh, do you have a favorite snack food? Snack food. Oh man. Um, you know, like, 
you know, chips are a snack food, but like, I'm, it's funny. I talk about this a lot with people that I know. I'm a big sandwich with chip guy. Mm. Like I could, in my opinion, like for most meals of my life, if I had a sandwich with like a really good uh, bag of chips or something, I am like in heaven. So I, I'd probably say like, that's probably my favorite snack food is, is a chip, I'd say, uh, yeah. mainly because of that. I usually have them with things. So that's probably yeah. where it is. What kind of chips do you like? What kind of guy you eat? I'm a big kettle chip fan. Like, I really like um, uh, Miss Vicky's is really good. Um, but back east has so many good chips and stuff like that. Um, that's why I love going back to Jersey and stuff like that because they have so much. So, I feel like the Northeast just has so much better food than, any, than anything we have down here in the Southwest. But, um, but yeah, but, like, you know, any sort of kettle chip, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of just because, I mean, you could do so much with it, for one. Um, there's so many different flavors and stuff of it. Um, but, yeah, that's probably – that's probably uh, some of my favorite chips. But if I had to pinpoint my favorite chip of all time, it's and I know it's going to be controversial, it's Originals Lay's. Whoa. They're just, to me, they're just so good. I don't know what it is about them, but those with, like, a sandwich, I'm in heaven for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, go to Starbucks drink. Ooh, Starbucks. You know, actually, right now they have a um, uh, or I don't maybe they don't have it anymore. It was a holiday thing. They had this pumpkin cream cold brew that was phenomenal. Mm. But I'm not a huge Starbucks guy. Um, luckily, I I'm partnered with uh, and sponsored by Caffeine and Cannabinoids, who makes yeah. really really solid coffee. Um, Chubbs is the uh, promo code. There's just a you know a quick little uh, a quick little <laughs> nod to them. But 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 yeah, no, they make really good coffee. So. I've been, you know, I, I'm actually drinking it right now, um, and I love their coffee. So I don't really do Starbucks much, but I remember I was in Minnesota not too long ago, and a really good buddy of mine introduced me to that Starbucks uh, pumpkin cream cold brew. Um, so if they still have that, go and check that out. But, yeah, nice. I, like when it comes to Starbucks, anything cold brew, I would say, probably is my thing because I like their cold brew. Nice. Um, like a couple more. Uh, favorite, you know, sports to watch, teams to follow, um, professional teams, college teams? I'm, I'm a huge – I'm a huge NFL fan, so New York Giants. I'm a massive New York Giants fan, and I'm also a huge New York Yankee fan. So when it comes to both those sports, those are the ones I, I follow a lot. When I was a kid, I used to follow the, the Devils a lot, the New Jersey Devils. Um, that was my team back when they had Rodur at, at goalie. And then uh, I was also a big-time New Jersey Net fan. Uh, when they had Vince Carter, Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, uh, they had a really, really good team back then. Uh, so uh, those were the, those were my teams. But New York Giants, New York Yankees, those are my those are my go to sports. I know those like the back of my hand. I, it's funny. I can tell I can tell people a lot about like the Yankees farm system, mock drafts for the New York Giants. I'm looking into guys right now who are college players. Like I'm very I'm very very into it. Almost almost a little bit of a snob when it comes to those for sure. Dude, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that you know those things because there are people who are just bandwagon fans of the Yankees just because they're good, you know, and they, you know, they got For sure. Aaron, they got For Aaron sure. Judge, and I'm like, dude, name a person outside of Aaron Judge, <laughs> like, like, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I've been talking. To, I've been talking to people for years about some of these kids that they have that now are playing um, that were in their farm system that are, that are really, really phenomenal players. So, yeah, I, I follow those teams, like I said. Uh, like, that's a lot what I do in my off time is I look at a lot of stuff when it comes to those teams. Nice. Uh, and lastly, if you were not a thrower, uh, you would want to be what? Are we talking about athletics or just outside of throwing? Either, or I mean outside one. of athletics? Either one, either one, or both. Well, 
if it was up to me, I'd be a nose tackle in the NFL. I, you know, I'll tell you what, there's one thing I've talked to a lot of people about this as well. It's funny. A lot of these questions I've actually talked to a lot of people about, but um, I miss that outlet uh, to just like bang around and hit people. Like I, I, there's, I'm such a physical guy the majority of the time that like, I miss like that feeling of, you know, going right through somebody and stuff as bad as that sounds. Uh, but yeah, no, if I had my choice, I'd be a nose tackle in the NFL. Um, I think with some of my strength levels, I probably could do it. But, um, but outside of athletics, um, my dad's been law enforcement for like 40 years. And so mm. um, I've always wanted to work for a three-letter agency, you know, uh, CIA, DEA, stuff like that. So outside of, outside of athletics, I'd love to work for the government in some fashion like that. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. Um, and lastly, I just want to give you a chance to give some shout outs, uh, you know, you know, put, push, push your brands, like whatever you want to sure. do so people can do that. And, you know, kind of, you know, yeah. give them the codes and everything. So, you know, the floor is yours <laughs> to be able to do that. Cool. Yeah, no. So I'm with Velasa. So my code with Velasa is Ponzio 15. Um, right now they have a lot of really cool stuff. They've had a lot of really cool deals. Um, and I think right now, I mean, we just signed David Storl to the, to the club. So we have a lot of really cool things moving forward, especially into this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, hate brand goods, which is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, my code is Chubbs. Um, they have some of the coolest stuff coming out. I'm wearing their gear right now. Um, they are by far my favorite brand, uh, that I'm probably sponsored by, uh, which is <laughs> probably not a good thing to say, but it's the truth. Um, Matt's such a good dude and stuff. But like I said, yeah, Chubbs is my code. Go and get some discounts and stuff like that. Be a part of the movement. Go get an everyday pack. Get the fanny. Um, yeah, caffeine and cannabinoids, also Chubbs. Um, they make the best CBD and coffee that I've, I've had hands down. Um, they are by far something that I wouldn't just say. Um, CBD and stuff is such a saturated market, and the stuff that they use is something that I absolutely am proud to have my name behind. Something like that, like I said, I would never support if it wasn't good. So uh, Jeff's a great dude as well. He's, he's been very supportive of me and my journey. So go and get some coffee and some CBD. Like I said, it'll change your life. A guy like me who's lifting heavy and stuff, I need that CBD. And so um, they're, they're really high quality coffee and CBD has been really good for me. Uh, Roadie Sport, I'm also sponsored by. Um, Justin's an, also an amazing guy. One thing you'll find with a lot of people that I'm sponsored by is I, I, is I find that they're really good people. And that's also one reason why I want to be with them. Um, so Roadie Sport, uh, my, my, my code is Ponzio5. I use their wrist straps and other products like their, um, their lifting straps every single day. Um, uh, like I said, go support Justin. It's a, it's, he's a small business, um, out there in Ohio. Um, I'm very, very uh, proud to be a part of it. I'm looking forward. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming around with that brand that I'm really looking forward to. Um, so, uh, go check them out and go support small business during this pandemic. And then finally I am with the breath belt. Um, another guy, Jesse Oliger, who is the, uh, the, um, the, the owner of that, um, the breath belt for me has been amazing. I actually just talked to a guy last night about it cause he was having uh, some, some problems with some trunk issues. And for me, it's not only helped with rehab, prehab throwing wise, but it's also allowed me to, to gain a lot more proficiency in my lifts and stuff and my outputs gone through the roof with it. So it's something that's, I think is actually really important. And I think really soon that's also going to be something you've seen a lot of strength athletes households. Um, so I'm really proud to be a part of that um, grassroots wise. So yeah, those are the people that, that support me. Um, and I always want to get back to them. So it's really great to give them a shout out. Um, my, oh, my code for breath belt is Chubbs 20. Um, so there's definitely a, uh, there's definitely a, a pattern when it comes to my codes. It, it's uh, that, that Chubbs lifestyle. So 
yeah, so if anybody wants to go get one of those, definitely go and get that free shipping and 20% off any of the breath belts. So, um, but yeah, those are the people that, that, that support me. And like I said, I'm always really happy to support them as well. So I appreciate you giving me that platform to be able to shout them out and also uh, plug a few codes, you know how it is. <laughs> Got to oh, yeah, pay the bills sure. a little bit. Yeah, for sure. That's all. That's what we're all about. And, you know, big shout out to Ryan, you know, and, uh, you know, Des- Desert High Performance and all. Oh, he's absolutely. Doing. That's <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I couldn't have said that. But yes, huge shout out to Ryan Whiting out of Desert High Performance. Um, go and get a consultation from him. Like I said, it'll change your life. It's definitely changed mine. Um, so yeah, yeah, big, big shouts out to, to Ryan at Desert High Performance. We're going to take over the world soon. So be a part of it now. Nice. There you go. Well, hey, Nick, <laughs> appreciate that. Again, people who have not already... Uh, follow Nick on Instagram. You can find him at Chubby Diamond, Chubby uh, Diamond. on there. Give him a follow. Uh, you know, send him DMs, especially send him those pictures when you, you know, you know, when you have the fanny packs for those designers yeah. out there designing fanny packs, like, you know, send those out, you know, for sure. We got to get this movement started. You know, yeah. I posted something last night cause of your birthday, you know, by the way. And, and it, it was, was like, last night. Yeah, fear fear the fanny, like hashtag fear the fanny. Like I like I like that. Like let's let's get that going. So yeah, let's get some traction on that. Yeah, and it, and if anybody like any young throwers and stuff, um, I tell a lot of kids this a lot of the time. Um, if you ever have any questions throwing wise or or anything outside of that, um, don't ever hesitate to ask somebody like myself or any of the big time throwers. Um, we're more than happy to help. I mean, we're merely just guys throwing rocks around, um, and luckily we get paid for it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to help anybody out. If they have any other questions, um, I've done a good amount of it, and I and I like continue to to really enjoy giving back to the younger community because it's only going to grow the wealth in our sport. Um, it's going to make our sport that much better for years to come. So, anytime anybody really has any questions or wants to reach out about any questions, like I said, throwing or, or otherwise, um, don't hesitate to, to DM me at Chubby Diamonds for sure. That's awesome, man. And again, thank you for coming on, taking time. We're gonna support you, man. I can't wait to see. You know what 2021 has in store for you man it's gonna be awesome absolutely absolutely thanks brand i really appreciate it i had a really uh fun time on this it was it was it was different than most podcasts but in a good way and i'm, I'm really uh good. really looking forward to this coming out cool man